Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Welcome, friends. We're here today for another edition of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we would like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons, and we like to do that in the world of sport, in music, with authors, pastors, leaders, people with great stories and testimonies. And uh, today I'm blessed to be with a couple friends, guys that I feel like I've had the privilege of having them invest in me and, and, and mentor me on some level and and just respect what they do individually, what they do together and love the ministry of athletes in action down near my neck of the woods in Xenia, Ohio. And uh, so today we have two of the big wigs, Mark Householder and Jerry Denninger. Welcome, guys. Welcome, Jeff. Great to be on the podcast today. Hello, Jeff. Thanks for inviting us on. We need, we need like something to pop up each time so it's like, that's Mark, that's Jerry, or something like that. But uh, hey, Mark and Jerry, we'll start, we'll start with you, Mark. Tell us quickly like what you do, what your title is, any quick other little tidbit you want to add, and then we'll, we'll hit Jerry up. Yeah. Well, I've logged 40 years with Athletes in Action, not including the five as a student athlete at the University of Cincinnati. So if you think of this as a 55-year-old organization, I've been around... 80% of the, the lifespan of athletes in action. So, so that means I'm senior in my, uh, in my service to AIA. Mm. Uh, but since 2009, I've, I've served in the role as president. Prior to that, I've been involved internationally and globally, been involved with our staff at the college level, pro level, worked at the headquarters here pretty much my whole 40-year career. But some of the better moments in, in my Athletes in Action staff life came in the first several years when I did campus ministry at the University of Cincinnati. So go Bearcats, right? There you go. Yeah, the Bearcats used to be a basketball school. Now they're a football school, right? That's right. That's right. Things change. That's right. They really have. Jerry, but, give but, us... Hey, that coach at Cincinnati, he, he's going to bring the Bearcats back to national prominence. So uh, love what he's doing there with the basketball program. Now, who's the, what's the guy's name again? Is their coach? Wes Miller. And he came from where again? Came from a smaller school in North Carolina. Can't remember the name of it now, but uh, he's a young coach and got an incredible future. And, you know, it's all about recruiting and getting the right players and building the chemistry and the culture, and he's, he's going to do it. Boy, it sure feels like these days it's all about that thing called the transfer portal, isn't it? Uh, it's probably a blessing and a curse for most college coaches, but I'm I'm not living in that world. That's just my outside opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. So, Jerry, give us a little tidbit about you, and then we'll jump into some testimonies. By the way, and Jerry, just carry that on. I, I was going to get to you guys' like three-minute testimony, so tell us a little bit about you know your role there or whatever, and then we'll jump into your testimony as well. Yeah, you bet, Jeff. Uh, so I have been on staff, Mallory and I have, for 32 years. I joined Athletes in Action almost right out of college. We went to college at the University of Southern Mississippi, the home of the Golden Eagles. What was that quarterback that played a little football there? 
There was a there was a gentleman by the name of Brett Favre. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, quite a quite an NFL legend, and we were uh, contemporaries oh. at Southern Miss. So our paths never crossed each other, of course, but um, but we were both on campus together. So I've been serving as the chief operating officer for Athletes in Action since I think like 2004. So been in this particular role for a while and. Prior to that, had some other roles organizationally. Uh, was originally with AI's Track and Field Ministry, which was based in Southern California. And I was one of the chaplains with the U.S. National Track and Field Team for about 10 years. And that was some real fun ministry time for me back in the 90s and kind of went from 92 to 02, 2002. Yeah, track, track's a huge part of my story, track and field, uh, cross country. As it relates to my my testimony, so coming up in high school, junior high, high school, I was not an outstanding athlete in many sports. Then I discovered that I could run. And the the good news and the bad news to that is I found something that I was good at, but it quickly became the center of my life and the the center of my significance and everything about me was defined by my sport and when I got to college at Southern Miss uh, where I ran uh, for four years uh, track was my idol it was my god and it was what I invested in and poured everything into and I had a roommate in college who was on the cross-country team with me and he was actually from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I grew up there as a hometown kid. Uh, became the best man at my wedding, so he's a, a great friend. And he he pursued me with the gospel for months and months. And it, it culminated in attending a conference that the that Campus Crusade for Christ, of which Athletes in Action is a part of a larger ministry called Crew, and back then it was Campus Crusade for Christ, went to a Christmas conference and it was at that conference that you're in a room. Jeff, it, conferences are so powerful. This is why we invite people to conferences, right? You do it. I do it. We do it all. Because you get into these events in these settings, and you just see so many other people who have surrendered their life to Christ, and it just moves you. And I can remember sitting in this ballroom in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was a big conference, probably 2,000, maybe 1,500, somewhere in that number, college students from all over the Southeast. And they're talking about what God has done in their life. They're talking about what God has done on their campuses. And in that moment, I realized, boy, this, this Jesus thing is not just something that happens in Bond Hall at Southern Mississippi. This is real. And God is real. And I knew that, that I had to surrender my life to Christ, did in that sometime during the course of that conference that week. And uh, here's a funny story, Jeff, and I'll, I'll kind of close with this. So that, that's kind of when the transition uh, for me happened. But I was one of these young student athletes who I don't even know where this came from, but I felt this profoundness that because I had found Christ, I needed to tell people about Jesus. So I had in my head, I got to go tell the team. I got to tell the track team. So I go back to school and I go to Coach Marshall Bell. He's our head track and field coach. I said, Coach, uh, I, I got to talk to the team. He says, what do you want to talk to the team about? I said, I want to start a Bible study. I want to talk to the team about Jesus. So he said, yes. Okay, Jeff, I, 
I really don't know the gospel, okay? I really don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know how to share the gospel. I just had this boldness to, to, to represent Jesus to my teammates. So I stood up in front of my, my team, 50, 60 men and women, and Jeff, I'm sure what I shared was not really accurate gospel because I didn't really know it. But I stood up in front of the team and I shared something and then I invited the team to come to a Bible study that I thought I was going to lead. Now, Jeff, you got to appreciate the enthusiasm of a new <laughs> believer, right? Mm -hmm. But the last thing I needed to be doing was standing up in front of my team and sharing the gospel, of which I didn't really fully understand. And the last thing I needed to be doing was leading a Bible study. So the best thing that could have ever happened was that nobody wanted to join the Bible study. And then a man by the name of Doug Owen at Southern Miss grabbed me, one of our crew staff, and invested in me for the next several years. And I, I grew grew more in love with Jesus and was discipled and began to understand the gospel. So it's a fun story. But when I look back on that moment, I, I still wonder, I wish there was somebody videoing what mm -hmm. I said, because I would probably laugh hysterically at whatever it is that I was articulating to my teammates. Do you have any idea where that teammate is now? Or you keep up with the guy that kind of brought you in? Yeah, so that's a that, that's a very hard story. Uh, he he passed away about a year or two ago uh, during the pandemic. He he got cancer, so he was my roommate for three and a half years. He was the best man at my wedding, and we did stay in touch. And um, yeah, he's he's unfortunately no longer with us, but he lived a life that has a tremendous legacy in the lives of countless people. He was a man on fire for Jesus, and I am eternally indebted to him. Wow. Well, when I think about the one mentor in my life who had a big impact on my life, there's been many, but when I think about the one, I've told, we just ran at each other last week, and I told him, I said, when I go before Holy God someday, and I get to talk about any and all fruit that I've had, I said, all of it has ties to you. So whatever you think you did or didn't do, uh, yeah, and there's other people who would say the same thing. So, Mark, give us your three-minute version or thereabouts. Yeah, kind of similar to Jerry's. A lot of, lot of common themes there. My conversion happened at uh, the University of Cincinnati my freshman year. So this was 1977, and a few weeks prior to me being introduced to uh, the person who shared the gospel with me, I attempted to be a walk-on at the University of Cincinnati, and there was a football coach on the Bearcat staff from East Palestine, Ohio. And he happened to know exactly where I grew up in Carrollton, Ohio. And I didn't, I didn't become a walk-on football player at UC because of talent. I think I became a walk-on football player because this coach, John Parker, had mercy on me and had some affection because we were from the same part of the state of Ohio. So he said yes, and a few weeks later, Another coach on the team, Mark Duffner, stood up after practice and said, there will be a meeting of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in room 206 Lawrence Hall. And I felt like Coach Duffner was speaking to me alone. Mm -hmm. And so after practice, I went to 206 Lawrence Hall. Coach Duffner was there. There was a handful of my teammates there. And there was a guy named Brent and Brent was kind of the odd person out because he introduced himself as an Athletes in Action staff member. And the only thing I knew about Athletes in Action, Jeff, at that time was that they had a phenomenal basketball team that literally was beating everybody around the world. 
And the, the way I knew that was I read an article in Sports Illustrated where this team, Athletes in Action, had been written up. And um, I still have that article today, by the way. But I pursued Brent at the end of that meeting, and I said, I don't know anything about you, but I've heard about this Athletes in Action. I'd love to know more about the organization. So we met two days later in the basement of my dorm, and he shared a very simple presentation of the gospel called The Four Spiritual Laws. Mm. And the light bulbs were just going off. And it was, it was my time appointed by God before the foundation of the world. And uh, I entered into that time being a religious person, having a bit of a, uh, a church background, but didn't have any certainty about where I'd spend eternity uh, upon my death. And, but we, we got that right that day by the, by the grace of God and by the working of the Holy Spirit. And Brent became a great friend for that nine-month school year. He mentored me, discipled me started to train me in, in how to study the Word and what it meant to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and to communicate my faith and, you know, took me on appointments where we started sharing with my teammates. And I still remember the the dry cotton mouth syndrome of uh, kind of like Jerry. I, I don't know what I said uh, in those moments, but but I was young. I was green. I had a relationship with God and he was changing my life. And, um, you know, Brent uh, was a part of my wedding a number of years later, and uh, Brent and I are still in touch. Uh, he lives in Birmingham, Alabama, and God was so gracious to bring a number of other men into my life in my college years to mentor and disciple me. And uh, so that's, that's how I got my start in my spiritual journey. Yeah, there definitely are some common threads with both of you guys' stories as athletes and college, right time, right place, right people coming alongside of that. So let's, let's kind of tie a couple thoughts in here together. So as you, both of you know, I'm a big fan of athletes in action. I've been blessed in my 14 and a half years working here with the gathering in Springfield as we connect men to men and men to God and have partnered with you guys with Mark. You've spoken at a number of things, Jerry, you've spoken at a couple of things. We brought people to your night of champions event. Now let's pause for a minute. Let me say that again, your night of champions event that were very prayerful comes back soon that's just my agenda to make sure you guys hear that but anyway talk a little bit about your you guys is i know leadership development and you guys have really kind of ramped up leadership development looking at what that means and athletes in action jerry you, we, we basically had a whole lunch talking about that but speak to that you know what, the importance of athletes in action what you guys are doing maybe day in and day out over the course of a year because you know a, a day is not going to tell the full story and where leadership development fits into that and why it's so important. Yeah, that's great, Jeff. I think leadership development is an area that we are without question passionate about, and it at the same time is an area that we still need to improve in so much. So the opportunity to reach the world for Christ through the platform of sport is so phenomenally exciting that we can't really do it well without healthy leaders all over the organization, all over the country going after the mission. And so we've done a lot of things in Athletes in Action over the years when it comes to leadership development, but most of them have been disjointed. They haven't really had a common central focus and a thread and a theme and, and like here's the course of development. 
And so we've hired a, a new leadership development and human resources executive director in the last few years named Eric York, and he's really helped us think about how do we bring a real common template and theme of developing leaders from a brand new person who comes on our staff in the organization and, and they have a pathway of development that can see them lead at whatever level of the organization that the Lord wants them to. So, Jeff, the thing that I keep telling myself every day and as I talk to folks around the country is that the world is hungry for the truth and hungry for the gospel. And we see people coming to Christ through Athletes in Action every day, all hours of the day, all the time. I, I read reports from our ministry and, and through from our staff. There are staff and then disciples that our staff are ministering to that are sharing the gospel. The world wants to hear the truth. The world is open to the gospel. And if we're not actively investing in and developing our staff to become both competent and also have a strong sense of character, so we want to develop in, in the areas of character and competency, then we're simply not going to be able to make the impact in the lives of coaches and athletes across the country and around the world. So for us, it is paramount. We must have healthy staff in order to be able to go after the mission well. Wow. And I know that's a big heartbeat for both of you guys. So, Mark, in your role as a president, when you're thinking about what you're trying to do, and obviously you can't be going around and minister to a bunch of campuses. I mean, I, no president with an organization that size can do that. When you think about the mission of dreaming of a day when there are Christ followers on every team, in every sport, in every nation, what does that look like for you in your role, and how are you really speaking that out in a way that everybody's buying it at the various levels one level below you, two levels below you, to anybody and everybody who's focused on a given campus in a given sport? Yeah, Jeff, great question. Well, first of all, it's a lot of prayer and a lot of humble dependence upon the God that we serve because at the end of the day, you know, we have our strategies, we have our tactics, we have our org structures, and but but if if God is not showing up and doing what only He can do, we're just another organization. And we don't want to be another organization we, because we believe that God has called us. He's raised us up for such a time as this to do exactly what Jerry said, to speak the truth into the world of sport and help people in sport leverage this platform and phenomena of sport that's, that's worldwide to share the greatest news that's ever been told. So that's first and foremost. The second thing that comes to mind is, any leader has to surround himself or herself with great leaders and have to make a commitment to their well-being, have to serve them out of a posture of humility. And that's what I try to do. I don't do it perfectly, but Jerry and his team, our executive leadership council, our global team, our men and women that are growing in character and competency. I'm glad Jerry brought that out. And they're committed to help others grow and multiply and, and give their lives away. And to see a scalability where there's this exponential growth of multiplying leaders. And so it's got to be a passion of, of mine. I know it's a passion of Jerry's. If it's not a passion of ours, then it's, it's not going to be felt as a priority in the organization. But this is one of the best things and probably the greatest things that we can give the next generation of leaders 
that'll sit around this table and have podcasts with you. Mm. We've got to make sure they are passionately committed to the multiplication of leaders because having strong benches populated with men and women, different generations, different ethnic groups is paramount to having a healthy organization that is really attractive for others to join and be part of. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Mark, let's stay with you on this. So give us, and then Jerry, I want to hear from you. Give us a great testimony you've heard in 2022. It might be an Athletes in Action staffer. It might be something you've dealt with personally. Talk about a very specific individual thing that you know about that's been a testimony uh, with the work of Athletes in Action in 2022. Starting with you, Mark. Yeah. So this just happened in February. Our campus leadership team had some meetings down in Nashville, and they were joined by another ministry emphasis, our catalytic division, and their leadership in Nashville for a day. So it was a a great day of collaboration, uh, working together, two different parts of AIA, working together to move the mission forward. But one of the things they did, Jeff, was they they got together in groups of two and three, and they, they just fanned out on the different campuses in the Nashville area. And they just showed up, and they and their prayer was, God, we know you're working here. We just want to experience you at work. And so we had a couple of our leaders show up at Fisk University, mm-hmm. which is an HBCU in Nashville. And one of our one of our colleagues and teammates had a relationship with the basketball head coach. And showed up in his office. They were getting ready for, to, uh, to get on a bus and go on an, uh, a road trip to play some team. And they had 15, 20 minutes with the coach, and they engaged in a spiritual conversation. And by the time that meeting was over, this coach was in tears, thinking about his need for a savior and where his life was. And just really cool. That, that's just one moment. Another moment happened at Treveca Nazarene University, which is also in, in Nashville. We happened to have a couple contacts in the athletic department there. One thing led to another. Another team showed up at Treveca Nazarene. As a result of that, over a series of follow-up connections and phone calls, the coaches there are hosting an athletic-wide in essence, it's an athletes in action meeting on a weekly basis, encouraging athletes to get in the word, to go deeper, to be mentored. And so that's pretty cool when you think about just showing up on two different campuses. God's at work and he just displayed his glory and by his grace allowed a couple of our colleagues to participate in his goodness. You know what's great about that, Mark? Before you go, Jerry, I have one nephew in college. He goes to Trevecca Nazarene. Wow. That's, that's highly encouraging. I'll have to tell Wilson about that. Yep. So, Jerry, how about you? What's the testimony that really speaks to you? So the latest one that is really fun uh, happened in New Orleans. I was just down there, my wife and I, with a, a bunch of our staff for the final four ministry activities. And I met with a team of AIA campus volunteers going after five different campuses and university universities across the Big Easy, the city of New Orleans. And before I unpack that, I, I want to say that the story begins with Nick and Kina Castelluccio in Chicago, where they invested in a, a couple that was dating. They are now married, but it was Erica and Austin Carr. Erica was on a cross-country track field team at uh, Northwestern. Austin played football for Northwestern. 
They were discipled, poured into, invested in. Austin gets drafted into the NFL, ends up with the New Orleans Saints. Erica joins our staff team while Austin is playing for the Saints as a wide receiver. They're there for three years. Erica's leading a ministry on multiple campuses there. Austin, on his off day from the NFL, shows up on campus, leads Bible studies, speaks at weekly meetings, disciples athletes. They're investing in people. And they are aggressively investing in a volunteer base that can eventually replace them. Because, as you know, as a career in the NFL, they're, they're, the likelihood of them moving after a few years is, is pretty high. So they're there for three years investing. And as you would expect, as is typical, uh, Austin's career comes to an end after three years. He doesn't get picked up. Uh, they leave New Orleans, but they leave behind a group of volunteers. So Mallory and I went to dinner with them as, as a part of our visit down in New Orleans. And there were five of them that we were able to see three of them. Uh, one of the gentlemen that was with us was discipled by Austin as a football player at Tulane University and had a job in, in, in the city of New Orleans and was still actively involved in discipleship ministry with the Tulane Green Wave football team. And then the young lady that was there. Her name is Sarah Straster, and she'll be the point of my story. Uh, she came out of Houston, was recruited to play volleyball at Tulane, uh, graduated from Tulane, was hired by the head coach of Tulane Volleyball to be on the volleyball coaching staff. She was weekly, uh, weekly discipled by, by Erica Carr, and the team leaves, so there she is, kind of leading this team of volunteer staff in the city of New Orleans, and she went on to tell me the story that the head coach uh, was hired to coach at, I forget which school, but it was a, a Big Ten school up here in the Midwest and got a job up here. He took his entire staff to this Big Ten university to coach, and Sarah was offered a job to go with him. And she, she told me that this was her dream, to be a college coach at a major university in the sport of volleyball. But God was stirring in her life and beginning to plant the seeds of, Sarah, that may not be the path I have for you. I may want you on staff with Athletes in Action. So as she's wrestling back and forth with our regional directors who are based out of Texas, Stuart and Carol Dodds, and wrestling through this decision, she's talking with her coach about it. And to make it more challenging for Sarah, the coach kept offering her, offering her more money to try to get her to come. And at the end of the day, she followed what she strongly believes is the Lord's calling to join our staff full time to plant another flag in the city of New Orleans with full-time staff with Athletes in Action. And so I listened to that story, and as I looked at those volunteers, I said, guys, the reason why Athletes in Action exists is because of you. Mm. This is what we're all about. We cannot possibly go after 2,000-plus universities across the country without trained volunteers going after the mission in partnership with us. And that's what they are. When Athletes in Action is at our best, in my opinion, it is when our staff are, are sitting across the table and training and investing in athletes who in turn mm -hmm. invest in other athletes and then become long-term volunteers. So it's just a, a phenomenal story of how God moved in Sarah's life and moved in the life of these other volunteers to see a movement continue 
began with Nick and Kena Castellucio and, uh, at Northwestern and then moved through Erica and Austin Carr, and, and it's still going on today. So it's a real fun, encouraging story of multiplication that I got to kind of be a part of there. See, what's cool is I think we could do a, a podcast just about testimonies, and I love when I ask those. You guys don't hesitate. You jump right in. There's power. There's personal to it. There's authority. Man, it's just it's highly encouraging. I love the, you know you guys have been doing this as long as you have. You think about coaches in the world of sports, whatever. At some point, you got to lose some zeal, and I feel like with you guys, you're day one more passionate than ever, and it, and it really fills that. So before we get into some meaty stuff, we got to do. And I know before we got on here, Mark really alluded to the time he prepared, thinking through some of the stuff I wanted to talk about, particularly this section. So now we're going to do the rapid five, quick hitting. Simple, not a lot of explanation needed questions. So um, let's go, Jerry, then Mark on each one of these. So, Jerry, what's your favorite childhood snack or cereal? I cannot even count how many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I <laughs> ate before the age of 18. That was my go to every day after school. There you go. Mark? Wow, good choice, Jerry. Mine was Captain Crunch. Mm. Captain Crunch, because I love to play defense. You know what's funny? I bet 50% of the people I've interviewed and asked that question land on Captain Crunch. Go figure. Now, this will be interesting for both of you because you're both well-read. What is your favorite book you most liked to gift to other people? You give it away. Jerry? You know, I, th that's a great question. I don't know that I have a favorite. I, I, I don't tend to give out one book consistently, but I can certainly tell you the, the two books that I've given out most recently – and one of them is by Sean Covey called The Four Disciplines of Execution, which Mark gave to me, and now I've given to about 20-plus people. So Mark is discipling me there. And the other one is The One-Minute Manager uh, by Ken Blanchard, which was just a few months ago. I uh, gave that out recently. Two, two great books on leadership and strategy. Yeah, Jeff, my go-to book is a, a Tim Keller devotional book on the Psalms. I think it's called The Songs of Jesus, but it's a – it's a time-tested winner for me. Wow, I, I yeah, those those both, or those all, those all resonate with me. So I'm making notes of that. This question very much serves me because I want to know what books people are giving away. So here's a question: You guys probably have to go back in time a little bit because your kids are a little bit older. But if your family's vacationing, you're going from A to B. It's going to be kind of more of a day-long type of drive. If you're like me and the Pinkleton family, we're thinking, okay, we kind of know where we want to stop, but traffic might get in the way. Someone has to go to a bathroom. 10 minutes before we're going to stop. And I'm like, I'm not stopping again. We see these three places, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out Burger. Where are you going, Jerry? Boy, how many arguments has there been in the van over this decision with four kids? <laughs> mm -hmm. This brought back a little bit of tremor for me. I had to get some counseling when I reflected <laughs> on the question. So I think McDonald's has ultimately been the go-to because it seems to be that one option that everybody can at least tolerate. No, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. McDonald's, I mean, there, there weren't many Chick-fil-A's when I was taking family, my family on vacations back in the 80s and 90s, and we didn't go far enough to get into In-N-Out Burger country. So, so McDonald's is the hands-down winner. There you go. Okay. So what, what's the movie that gets each of you, whether you're with Marianne and Mallory or whether you're solo, if this is old school, you're flipping channels, you're looking for something to watch, if you stumble across this movie, you would see it through every time. 
Yeah, boy, there's another one, uh, Jeff. You're going right at the heart of so many interesting, uh, tense debates in a home because our home, we don't ever seem to like the same movies. <laughs> but, yep. but for me, by myself, I cannot imagine how many times I get pulled into Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. It grabs me. It's just a, it just moves me a lot. Uh, that, that, that's a good one. I can't argue with that, but I will. Um, I've rented this movie so many times I could probably have bought it five. I could have probably have five on my shelf. It's the 1991 classic. What about Bob? <laughs> yeah. I la- I still laugh at that movie today, like gut wrenching laughing. It's, uh, and it does me a world of good when I just sit there and laugh at Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus. There you go. I'm sailing. <laughs> I'm saying now, now, since you bring up uh, Remember the Titans, Jerry, because I do like that movie. I'm not a fan of yeah. sports movies because I feel like they exaggerate. They don't really do the fine research. Like there was the one movie about the Kentucky basketball team with Josh. Oh, I can't remember his name yeah. about the basketball, the, the Texas Southern or whatever Kentucky game. And they were showing people dunk, which dunking wasn't even allowed then. So I, I really struggle with sports mm. movies. Do you guys like sports movies? Do you not like sports movies? How do you feel about sports movies in general? Yeah, I, I I enjoy I enjoy sports movies. I mean, there, there's some I don't want to name them, but I mean, there, there, there's some that I would not ever watch a second time. But yeah, yeah, I, they seem to have a common theme. Sometimes I feel obligated to watch them because of uh, the work we're in. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, there's there's some good ones out there. I just watched uh, American Underdog, and I was kind of disappointed in that. I expected, I'd hoped, I wanted more from it, and there was just some things in there I just thought. It either didn't seem authentic or it just felt like I, I'm big on, I, I want, give me characters that I'm going to feel something for. I either really love them or I hate them, or maybe it happens both ways in the movies. I just feel like that movie to me left me lacking wanting some. And, you know, I, I respect Kurt Warner, the football player, a ton, but that movie just left me kind of empty or whatever. But um, the last and most important question I like to ask, who was your first, now this is of this section. Don't think you're getting out of here already. Um, what's your, who's your first celebrity crush, Jerry? Yeah, that's an awkward question. Uh, but it came to mind pretty quickly. So when I was a kid, I loved watching little house on the prairie. And so I would have to go with Laura Ingalls Wilder played by, if I recall correctly, Melissa Gilbert. Wow. I thought you were going to say Melissa Sue Anderson. The other one. Wow. Mark, how do you follow that up? Well, can you handle a man crush? Bring it on. <laughs> okay. You you remember the old uh, the old band, the Monkees? Oh yeah, Davy Jones. Oh, Davy Jones loved his haircut, man. He was uh, the Monkees were the Monkees were the real deal when I was growing up. So Davy Jones was. I just wanted to be like Davy Jones. So I'm on American Bandstand. So if I if I do this right now, which I, I usually don't try to embarrass myself on here. But I'll, I'll take the chance, because I love you guys. I'll do it for you. So does this get you excited if I do this? Girl, look what you've done to me. Do you remember that, the Brady Bunch episode? I do, yeah. Now, nobody's accusing me of being Davy Jones. Let's get that straight when I just tried to sing for you guys. But uh, great episode, the Brady Bunch one with Davy Jones. So we're going to transition. I must have missed that. I'll have to go back on YouTube and find that one. Or just call me later, yeah. and I'll sing it for you again if you want. Yeah, that may not help. (laughs) So let me jump into something much more serious. So um, one of my old Young Life kids had a post yesterday on Facebook that I caught. 
And it was um, her, she was an athlete in high school, played softball for a team that went to state semifinals. And I think she maybe has some kids. And she's, she's uh, grown in the Lord a lot since I knew her. And it's neat to see what God's done in her life. But she had this post that was originally shared by Orange Mountain Designs. And it was a post about recent suicide with four female athletes. One was a girl who played can't tell what sport that is maybe basketball I can't tell by the image for Stanford a softball player from JMU which I assume is James Madison um, the Wisconsin girl we, we talked about off air a little bit that uh, AIA or Brian Smith I know and his wife is spending some time with at least a friend of hers that one was recent and then there was another um, I think a soccer player I want to say from Stanford how is that world of mental health and where we've been over COVID and you know, this last few years, how is the world of suicide mental health, you know, in your world and how much, when you guys see stuff like that, what is that doing to you? And what are you guys saying that we, we need to do to be a place that speaks into that right now in sports culture? Well, it's, I mean, the statistics are, are sobering the lives involved or, or, you know, involved in the, the challenge to be mentally healthy it, it's a huge, it's a huge deal that our staff are engaging. They're engaging right now today at every level, uh, university, professional, uh, where we have youth sport and, and strategy and tactics. And uh, we've done some pretty significant training and resourcing of our staff who are on the front lines of this because Jeff, the coaches and athletic directors and athletic departments are coming to us asking for help because they're overwhelmed and they're under-resourced trying to deal with this issue. And it is a mammoth opportunity to step into places to support coaches who are trying to figure this out. And the, and the COVID pandemic just further exposed and accentuated the reality of uh, the, the brokenness and the hurt and the pain that athletes are, are dealing with and coaches. I mean, there's, I just read an article in Sports Illustrated a couple of days ago, talked about the number of college coaches who are leaving the profession because of the time demands, because of the pressures, because of the stressors, all the extra demands that are placed on their lives. So it's, it's a huge opportunity for the gospel. At the same time, it takes, um, it takes staff who have some equipping and some confidence to step into those places and be holistic ministers of the gospel, which does take training and development of our staff in some areas that 20 years ago, we weren't, we weren't talking about this. Hmm. Jerry, is there anything to add to that? A, a lot of resonation uh, with that. Just, just totally agree. It is, when we talk about the pandemic that we just went through, uh, and we did, I, I feel like in many ways, this mental health issue is so much bigger of a pandemic. Uh, the impact that it's having on a, a generation or two of athletes and coaches and just American citizens, people around the world, it, it is such a different time. So I, I reflect back on a trip that I made, and I, I won't name the university here, but it was uh, in the Southeast Division One school. And I'm walking around with our staff person, 
there who had, had a phenomenal ministry in this athletic department. And we're meeting coaches and talking to coaches. And one of the people that he introduced me to was one of the associate athletic directors. And the only thing that this woman wanted to talk to me about was mental health resourcing. And to Mark's point, how can athletes in action through our staff person help to be a resource to the athletes in their athletic department because it was overwhelming them and they didn't have, they didn't have all the answers. Well, I don't feel like we have all the answers either. You know, it, it, it's a journey of, as Mark said, equipping our staff, but it is paramount in, in ministry at, at this time. If, if we're going to reach the world for Christ in this generation, being adept at mental health and how to navigate that conversation and have that be a part of our discipleship process. It, it's critical wow. this time. No doubt about that. Well, I want to definitely get into some areas of kind of where you guys are as men of God as well. So talk to us about from both of you. Um, I like to ask people not kind of who you are and identity type stuff now, but who are you becoming? What is God doing to make you who he wants you to become? And maybe let's start with Jerry on that one, then we'll hit Mark on that one. That's a, that's a great question. Jeff, I, I, I can say this, and I say this without hesitation, without any sense of shame to as many people as I can. Uh, the older I get, the more I find myself completely falling in love with Jesus Christ. And it, it's deeper now than it was 32 years ago. Uh, I... I love Jesus, and I love spending time with Jesus. I love talking to people about Jesus. I love talking to people about how to deepen their intimacy with Jesus. And that doesn't mean I'm doing everything right. It doesn't mean that I don't have issues, but, but it does mean that, that I'm, I'm sold out. I'm all in. He's changed my life, and I am never turning away. You know, it's interesting about what you just said so I, before we hear from Mark real quick. Yeah, I, go ahead. I met with a guy today uh, close to where I'm doing this podcast who is involved in one of our groups up here in, in, in the northern part of the Miami Valley. And I said, you know, one of the things that's really helped me is Mike Donahue, who's now on his own, used to be the lead singer of 10th Avenue North. I've heard him talk about, you know, there's points and times for most of us where Jesus becomes Savior, then Lord. A lot of times we leave it there but he adds treasure. And I was really feeling what you were saying, Jerry, because I really feel like, you know, Jesus became Savior about 11 for me, 19 Lord, and really in the last few years, can I say, yeah, I treasure him above all and mean it and not say, well, it's a Sunday school Christian-y thing to say. So that's why I love spending time with you guys. You, you just say things, either affirm what I'm feeling or like, oh, man, I need that. I want that. Oh, yes, that's what I'm striving for. So, Mark, what about you with that question about what you're becoming? Mm. Yeah, it's a great question, and interestingly enough, I've, I've given some thought to this as I've reflected back on a, a moment in my life uh, a few years ago where Marianne and I uh, went through a, uh, a leadership-intensive program that was four or five days long, and so I'll give you, a, I'll give you two word pictures that, that capture 40 years, and the transition is not complete, it's not linear, it's messy, but a good word picture of my former life would be hollow pillar. And the pillar represents achievement, exterior competency, get things done, Eagle Scout, you know, this and that, 
you know, all that kind of stuff, aspire to be academically awesome. But on the inside, the hollow part is just relationally empty and, and just having, having little confidence uh, in my inner, inner self and inner life. Um, and so everything was built around accomplishment, success, achievement. So you go from hollow pillar to what I want to be becoming. Uh, that, that's a present, you know, participle. I know I just butchered the English, <laughs> but, but here, here, here's a picture of, of what I want to become. Wobbly need, deeply connected, steward of myself and others which the wobbly need is, you know, my dependency upon Christ is my rock and my, and, and my anchor. The deeply connected is, is working on the, my own inner self and connecting with the inner self of others. Cause I think that's where real leadership happens when, when that kind of connection happens and then stewarding what God has entrusted with me, my gifts, my abilities, my passions, uh, my story, my experience, stewarding that well in myself and helping others steward that well. So that's a 40-year picture, uh, two different word pictures kind of capture the bookend there, but but I'm, I'm in process, man. I want to get that last soundbite put together in a nice, short, simple two-minute thing or whatever that was and share that for the whole world and use that for any and all leaders I know. That was great, Mark. I really... Wow. Um, I'm done. I, I'm going to be thinking about that the whole drive home. So last question for you guys, and then we'll move on and let you guys have your day back. But whether it would be an Athletes in Action staffer, whether it's Becky Arnett, whether it's Marianne or Mallory, a neighbor, Tim Howeller, a friend, a longtime, you know, who companion, whoever, when it's all said and done above all else, what would you want them to say about you? We'll start with Mark. You know, I've thought about this actually the last several weeks. And, and, and the word that just keeps coming to mind is faithful. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because it's, it's God's word. It's God's word for his people. You think about the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, two of the three got the words of commendation, well done, good and faithful servant. I can't, Jeff, I can't think of anything else that I'd want more than that. Hmm. And I know you had a question about legacy and you know, all that stuff. And I have come to the point where I don't think about legacy. I think about finishing well, finishing in a faithful way, Mm. my time here at Athletes in Action, my life overall. And, you know, it could, both of those things could end tomorrow. They could end next week or next month or next year. I I don't have uh, ultimate control over that. But to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, I can't think of anything that would be higher as a priority for me to be associated with. And by the grace of God, I hope I get close to that association. Wow. Jerry? Well, Jeff, as you said that, immediately what popped into my mind were the lyrics to a song that I really, really enjoy. I have spent many hours walking the trails of Caesars Creek, uh, worshiping and singing songs. This is on the very, it's on the short playlist for me, Casting Crowns, Only Jesus. Mm. And there's a lyric in there that says, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. 
I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him, mm-hmm. only Jesus. No surprise. When you, when you said a lyric, I thought he might be going to Casting Crown's way here. And sure enough, there you go. Well, guys, you know my grateful appreciation of you guys. Appreciate time here that you didn't have to give. And knowing both you guys' schedules, that's not easy. So, like I said, I, I talked to someone else recently who podcasts, and they said, you know, if nobody ever listened – I wouldn't care. It still benefits me. And I'm like, I totally amen that. So I'm grateful. I'm benefiting from this. Tell me, uh, one of you tell me where, if people want to know much more about Athletes in Action, down the road from me nationally in Xenia, where you can hang out with President Mark Householder or VP and COO Jerry Denninger, where do they find out more about AIA? Our website, athletesinaction.org is a great place. We're located at 651 Taylor Drive, Xenia, Ohio, and the campus is uh, normally on the weekends now until school uh, ends, and then the summer is uh, just busting with athletes and coaches and teams and competing, and many of them in an exploratory process of understanding what it means to be a total athlete. Well, thanks again, guys, and for people listening, let's just keep praying for and dreaming of the day when uh, there are Christ followers on every team in every sport, in every nation. Blessings, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, too. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.